Welcome to They Think It's All Over, the football shirt show. Welcome back, listeners. I'm Football Show Talia, and this week we have the news, new releases, Kit History, Shirt Room 101, and a special printing feature. But first, who's joining me? Hello, it's Tom at Shirt Fan. It's Mike, Footy Shirts. And the cheery Scotty, Flying Scotty. Always a joy, Scott. Always a joy. Anybody got anything exciting happened this week? It was my Sky Sports Summer Bash last night, so... After a few Sam Allardyce-style pints of wine, I'm feeling very worse for wears today. My, um, my brother moved house this week, so unfortunately I had some moving to do with having over 200 shirts <laughs> stored in a wardrobe at his. So I've been busy, busy moving this week. You used to lift in boxes, aren't you, Scott? <laughs> I guess I think so. Nah, shit week. Work, work, work. Fuck all. In which case, let's move on to this week's news. So a few items this week, but first, supply issues in the kit community. Yeah, so this is an interesting one. BBC reported last Monday, which would have been the 25th, that their, uh, the clubs had announced that they were having major supply issues and that less than half of the football and Premier League do not have their home shirts and away shirts available to buy. A few numbers to run through you about how bad it is. Only 44 out of the 92 teams have a home and away shirt available to buy. 22 clubs have the home shirt. Seven only have the away only. And there are 19 clubs that have neither available to buy. And one of the the two standouts being um, a very dull Leeds United shirts and the great Crystal Palace shirts, apparently not available to buy. And according to the clubs, this... The, the, there is going to be no solution uh, before the start of the season. So the foot, the English Football League would have started on Friday and then obviously the Premier League kicks off this week. And there was a few, that they'd obviously done a bit of investigating and everybody was being slightly coy. So there was a, a chairman of a League One club that didn't want to be named. And he said the reasons he were getting thrown at him was closures in Asia factory closures in Asia due to COVID and Adidas made an announcement and said that their supply issues were because of import and transport capabilities which again that could be down to COVID for staff or potentially Brexit with things not moving very easily around Europe. I think that as usual when it comes to this kind of thing it's the smaller clubs excuse that phrase that will be affected because they were discussing the lack of cash flow in July. But whereas the elite clubs get paid a fixed amount, I think they only work on, they were quoted to saying they only work on around 7% commission. Whereas the smaller clubs are work a lot more on the commission and the sale. So they, they, they're, they're hoping that the economical impact for the clubs isn't going to be huge, but definitely those lower league teams are going to see a, a, an interruption in their summer cash flow purely because they don't have the stock to be able to sell the shirts. So not good, not good for us fans either. Cause you know, you know, the, 
you've got a lot of hardcore fans that will that will buy their uh, their home shirts immediately. And also, if you have a birthday, there were one. Of, there was a girl that was interviewed that she had. She's got three kids with birthdays in July, and that was always her go-to was to to get the get the kids the strips, and she won't be able to this year. So, gosh, she's a busy woman in October, then, isn't she? Normally. <laughs> um, I'm sure the Daily Mail will be blaming this on the French for supply chain issues, and it's also interesting to see that the Manto de Massa kit was a uh, was groundbreaking and a trendsetter, in that no one can get any shirts from now on. <laughs> <laughs> do um do, do you think it might encourage people? Obviously, people like a new shirt for the new season, so they can't get a new shirt. I wonder if people, even more people, might go retro and start looking for the old shirts again. You know, it's it's becoming more and more popular. They haven't spent 75 quid on Liverpool's new home shirt or whichever one it is. So, yeah, I don't know. It might be a good thing for the, the, the second-hand industry again. Not that CFS need the help. I think they're doing all right. I wonder if this will impact the prices, because obviously a lot of people tend to wait on new releases and, and try and hit them in the sales come mid-season or end of, the, end of the season. I wonder if there will be a delay in that price tag coming down then because of these issues. Only using uh, one season for Villa is an example for that. When we had our kits made by Luke, we had supply issues because the demand was, was higher than expected. So what was manufactured sold out really, really quickly. And therefore, as you say, come January, February, March, any that were still available, which weren't many by that point, were very much still full price. So I think that there's probably something in that. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I think depending if they're two weeks late, probably not. But yeah, if they're going to be two or three months late and the clubs haven't sold any shirts, you'd, you'd think they would hang on to that full price for as long as they can. Especially, as they said, those lower league clubs depending on commission for cash flow. Well, it's interesting because I did a little research for my news feature that I'll talk about in a minute. And one of the clubs I looked at was Colchester United. And I went on their website just to have a look at their shirts for this year. And they've got none of their shirts available for sale. And the season starts in a week. So those smaller clubs, like you say, this must really be impacting their finances because they yeah. make quite a nice little amount off of shirt sales from their fan bases. 19 teams out of 92 have none available, not a single shirt for the, the coming up season. On that note, a club that's got a couple of new releases, well, I think two new releases this week, following up the home shirt they released, following up their blue home shirt, they released a blue away shirt and a red third shirt. Who, who wants to talk to us about the Wimbledon shirt that's been causing some, some noises? Yeah, so I had a look at this. Like I said, I, I looked at Colchester and that's when I saw that they didn't have any of those shirts available but the reason Wimbledon are kind of in the news at the moment is because they released a, an away and third shirt this week following on from the, the classic blue home and I mean just one thing of note before I get onto the real issue the third kit is actually a carryover from last year's away kit which is red with a green trim so another team that's introducing two-year cycles for shirts which is a nice thing to see but their away shirt is what's really being spoken about because it's also blue just like the home shirt and I, I know we spoke about Marseille doing this back in the last season when they brought out a blue fourth shirt, like their home. And Wimbledon have followed suit. It's interesting because people were saying, you know, why pick the same colour palette? But actually, I think Phil Delves might have even tweeted it. He put a picture up of the two shirts side by side. And it is, although they're both blue, there is a marked difference in colour. So you could easily fill two teams in each of the home and away shirts and I don't think there would be a clash. So it's interesting, but I think they'll be able to get away with it. 
Th- that is true. I-, I didn't think of it when you said until you said that. But I suppose when I know the Blues are a little bit further apart, but when Man City play Chelsea, they quite regularly wear their blue kits. When Everton play another team in blue, some- sometimes it does happen. I guess I think for me, as a football fan and a, a shirt collector, I just feel a bit cheated that the home and the way are so similar so so maybe maybe the reason we're so up in arms about it is because we feel like we've been robbed of another shirt was there anything said by the club tom when you were doing when you were reading up like were they is there a reason that they've one's a different color of blue is it a throwback element or yeah so it is a throwback element and i'm just quickly skimming now but obviously you know afc wimbledon phoenix club from the original wimbledon and they did regularly, especially in the late 90s, early 2000s, wear this tone of blue, you know, that darker, deep navy almost, as opposed to the, the, the one on their home shirt this year. So it is a throwback element to that kind of era. I actually think it's a really nice shirt, blue with the gold. I think it's a, if it was their home shirt, people would be raving about this, I think. But, you know, and again, like I said, with the, the, the away shirt from last season, which is now a third shirt, and has carried over being red. There's, I, that's why I look through the, the, the League Two table because there's there's not going to be an occasion where they will need a, a third change shirt. If that makes sense, they've got the two tones of blue and a red shirt. There's never going to be another clash. So, like I said, I, I think they will get away with it. It's interesting that you said you look through the League Two table in terms of the kits. So St- Steve Hooper, regular on regular on the Football Kits show and Kitsman at Swindon Town, he shared with me during the week the English Football League kit book. And I wasn't able to tweet it because there's a lot of shirts there that haven't been released yet. And at the time he sent me it when Wimbledon released the away kit, um, he sent me the page that had the third kit out that hadn't hadn't yet been released, hence I couldn't share it. They actually registered that away kit as Black Iris with uh, the English Football League. So they didn't register it as blue. I, I don't know, but I wonder if that's sort of part of the thing where they got away with it because, you know, the league might have looked at two blues and gone, where are you playing at? But, but they registered that away kit for, for all the, as far as the clubs are concerned and as far as the kit men are concerned in the handbook, it says Black Iris. It's interesting. It'll be a thing to keep an eye on during the season just to see how often they, if they do wear one of their blue shirts against another blue team. So again, like that away shirt, this deferred shirt this season as well, this shirt will be used for two years. So it's the away shirt for this season and next season it will be the third shirt. So I don't know if this is an AFC Wimbledon initiative or a Hummel one, but again, they're a club that are now using two-year cycles for their kits. And you can't get angry with a two-year cycle unless you might, can you? On from that then, so perhaps we won't all be hiling the new Birmingham City away shirt. Yeah, where to uh, where, where to start with this one? Um, so... Anybody who follows our socials would have seen that we we put this one out on Twitter today to see if it was just us that saw this. And it definitely isn't. Um, before we come on to record, I even showed my wife. And just to sum it up, her exact reaction was, oh, fuck, that's some Nazi shit. So, yeah, Birmingham's shirt appears to have an enormous swastika across the front. Obviously, I don't believe this was intended. It seems to be a Nike template that seems to be highlighted and appear this way more on some colorways than others. But on the Birmingham in particular, unfortunately, very, very, very much looks like what we think it looks like. 
I'd just love to know their thinking on this. I mean, like you said, it takes seconds. On first impression, you see it. So what on earth were they thinking to use this as a template in a number of different clubs? It's it's mad. The, The reason I thought I would show my wife was because, A, and this is not me just being some sort of dickhead husband, She's not very observant, and she'll tell you that herself, right? <laughs> and B, she, she only has a vague interest in football shirts because of my hobby. So she has no ulterior motive. She didn't know what club it was, but she immediately saw it. My two main points about this one, and specific, the second point specifically Birmingham, but if it's even close, why would you fucking bother? And as you said, the amount of people, I mean, we chatted to the boy that worked at Nike. You know, the amount of people that those things go through, somebody somewhere has to go on, hang on a minute, does that look a little bit like you know what? But then to release a fucking red shirt with a dark, slightly maybe black looking uh, pattern on it, I'm amazed that nobody somewhere has gone, yeah, it's, that's probably not the best idea we've ever had. And then as you said, They've not only that, but they've templated it. So it's it's team wear and it's, it's so many clubs have it. It's mind boggling. The the crazy thing with this is obviously this is the second time that we've talked about a shirt that had uh resemblances to 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 Nazi regalia, we'll call it for now. I don't know if that's the right word. So all I'm going to say to anybody out there is if you know a shirt collector who has both bought the Holston Keel home shirt and the Birmingham City away shirt, you need to have words with that person and find out what they're fucking up to. <laughs> to be fair, though, as long as they don't own the Fiorentina 92-93 that actually has one on it, then at least, <laughs> at least they can well, defend themselves in court. <laughs> well, there, there's the hat trick for anybody listening. If you have all three of those shirts, you are a bad person. So the Birmingham's home shirt is average. The away shirt, no more comments about that. Let's hope they get the third one right. That wraps up (laughs) this week's Kit News. (laughs) So as usual, gentlemen, we're going to run through some of this week's hottest new releases. Any listeners that haven't joined us before, they're all going to follow on the thread on Twitter or on Instagram where you can see all of the kits that are mentioned. Mike, then Tom, then Scott. I want two or three words on the following shirts. Arsenal's released their new Adidas third shirt. Very Miami Vice. Yeah, it reminds me of Inter Miami, actually. Another stunner. The Rexham and Macron home kit was released this week. Is it Hollywood? Like it, don't love it. Solid effort for me. Very clean. Following that one up, we've got another Macron effort. We've got uh, Padova's home shirt banging out some more bangers, perhaps. Yeah, nice and clean. Quality shirt, great trim. Sponsor's too big. That shirt's fucking awesome. Are you guys... I know I shouldn't say it, but can we not be a bit more enthusiastic about this? No? <laughs> we we, we got to be honest. you got your car, yeah. you know. I like it. It's that little tricolor, like, copper-style badge in the middle that does it for me. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome back <laughs> next week. Uh, Bournemouth <laughs> released their away shirt, ready for the Premier League next weekend. Big letdown after the home shirt. Yeah, I'm not a fan of these style shirts. Rubbish. Bournemouth and palm trees as well. Who are they kidding? I was just about to say, the idea behind it's very adventurous. <laughs> yeah, you can palm that one off on me. We like breasts on this show and uh, breasts release their new home shirt. Love it. Love all the sponsors. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of that. I like the the um, 
did Jackard as well. Yeah, sponsor Overlord. Down in Syria B this year, we have Calgary with their new uh, eye shirt, their third shirt made by I. I, I love this. I'm going to break the rules with a few words. I, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favourite shirts so far this season. It reminds me of some mad ancient Egyptian like paint or something. I don't know, but it's fucking brilliant. Oh, Mike, you're going to hate me. <laughs> you're going to hate me. It reminds me of that sick that you see at the bus stop late at night. Fuck you, Tom. <laughs> yeah, the most important bit for me is the pattern continues all the way around the back. So well done. You like yeah. the pants, Scott? Yeah, I do. I can. It's, it's quite. Um, it almost looks like an old game of Snake to me. I was going to say Tetris. It reminded me of Tetris yeah. as well. Well, let's hope they can climb their way back out of Serie B this this year. Uh, staying in Italy, we have Corio Mani's second efforts with Napoli, and they released the home shirt this week. Shit, just like last year. Yeah, it's the first good shirt they've done. Shit sleeves. Oh, it's got a jacquard in there. I've got, I've got a feeling we'll probably be revisiting Napoli shirts over the coming months. Move on, and we'll go to a Castoria effort in South London with Charlton Athletics away shirt. Oh, it's probably as good as Castoria get. Really inventive, but I didn't know that was a Charlton shirt on first look. Great crest. Yeah, the way I like my salad, the great crest. But uh, it's a throwback, I think, to an early 90s chart shirt as well. And as authority would, would tell us, it's uh, the first centralised story badge we've seen as well on the kit. Fulham have released their home shirt today. Sunday League shirt. As tepid as their atmosphere at Craven Cottage. Uh, yeah, template trimmings. S- seen as we're on Fulham, did anybody um, happen to see the thread that went out today about football conspiracies? So apparently Norwich and Fulham haven't been in the same league for X amount of years. So they're claiming that they're the same team. They just keep changing the colour <laughs> so that they can stay in the Premier League. No. <laughs> Another Castori effort. And they released a suite of shirts of Sevilla this week. But we're going to look at the home shirt. Getting better. Straight out the Puma playbook. I'm a fan. Ruined by the plain sleeves. Spain, Scott. It's going to sponsor over those sleeves. <laughs> have we got story badges on the shoulders of that shirt as well by the way gents yeah yeah. it's not just wrestle that gives you wings <laughs> even the spot even the sponsors they don't you, I don't know we, we talked about this before but you need to find a sponsor that's willing to colour match because it just that bright blue on the sponsor is not good yeah interesting sponsor there at least it's not Kazoo. Finally this week, we have uh, Kaiser Chiefs and Nike's new effort for them. Trippy, love it. Nike always put it out of the bag for Kaiser Chiefs, don't they? Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope of colour. A very unique phrase there, Scott. We are going to have more Kaiser Chiefs specials in the coming weeks. That wraps up this week's new kit releases. Now coming up is Kit History. Kid history, kid history, we haven't made it up. Kid history, kid history, we read it on Wikipedia. This week, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. So for anybody who loves the actual design shirt history and learning about clubs that Villa of Influence, such as West Ham, we'll be back to that next week. So this week, for you boys, I'm going to throw a name out. I'm going to t- I want you to tell me if you know who this guy is. If I said to you, Stephen Leonard Palmer, would that mean anything to you? Not for me. 
lots of no's, lots of no's. He's a record breaker and a man who created history. So Stephen Palmer played for Ipswich, Watford, QPR and MK Dons through the 90s and into the early 2000s. Now, what this has to do with kit history is squad numbers. So this guy in 1997 to 98 was the first person, and if anybody can prove otherwise, the only person since as well, to have won all possible squad numbers in one season. So he wore numbers, apart from number one and number nine, he'd worn all squad numbers with two games left to go. So he was playing for Watford at the time. Graham Taylor was in charge. Uh, They were pushing for the title. So these last two games did mean a lot to the club. And this is where it gets a little bit mad. The penultimate game of the season versus Bournemouth, everything's on the line. He wanted that number one shirt to tick that one off. They didn't just give him a number one on his outfield shirt. They started him in gold, right? So he started in goal. Yeah, yeah. He started in goal in place of uh, the regular goalkeeper, uh, Alec Chamberlain, who wore his usual number out on pitch. What they did is they won the toss. And luckily for them, they did win the toss because then they just lumped it out of play. And while the ball was out, they switched back. And he was back in his number shirt. So he ticked off the number one. The following week, he then wore Jason Lee's number nine for the final game of the season. Watford won the league on 88 points with Bristol City finishing on 85. So, yeah, I thought I'd do it a little bit different and just talk about squad numbers, seeing as we had footprint on this week to, to keep it up. But, yeah, what do you think of that? Do I not like that? <laughs> so, so, is, so this was obviously they didn't have allocated numbers for the season. So they were. Yeah. So I, I did have to have a little look. Um, and basically, yeah, for, for this, for this particular season, um, whatever division they were in at the time, it, it, they didn't have to have set numbers per player. And yeah, it, apparently it wasn't deliberate. He was chopping and changing through the season. He did have a regular number, which I think off the top of my head was, was number six or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, they just realised that he was close to this this landmark because apparently, according to an article I read, John Gregory had held the record for the most squad numbers in one season at Aston Villa before that. So yeah, so when they realised he was on uh, so close to making history, I mean, most clubs I think probably would have just got an outfield shirt printed up with number one for him to just wear right there instead of risking starting him in goal because if they'd have not won that toss and he'd have got stuck in goal for the first five, six, seven, eight minutes or whatever it would have been. Who knows what would have happened. Watford may may not have finished top of the league, but but yeah, I thought it was a good story. Mad. Mad that they let that happen. There's not many clubs that would. I mean, they just don't pander to that kind of thing at yeah. all, do they? And, and Graham Taylor as well. I mean, he's not known for being like... The, the most fun guy in the world, is he? You, <laughs> you imagine when, when that guy comes to him and said with the keeper and gone, look, yeah, great, we, we've had a great idea. <laughs> he did just, sorry, lads, piss off. You're not swapping around. But yeah. nah, they did it. Yeah, great, great story. Let's find out what else the Englishman, Scottishman and Irishman talked about in this week's features with Footprints. So today we uh, here at They Think It's All Over are delighted to welcome Gary from Footprint onto the pod. How are you doing, Gary? 
Not too bad. Scott, how are we going? Yeah, we're all good, thank you. Everybody that listens to the pod really loves their football shirts, and I think um, what you do for the football shirt community and the collectors is a, is a huge part of that. It always brings up some good talking points as well, but obviously, yes, you are a you customise shirts with name sets and patches, so would you like to just give us a a little intro into yourself and what you do? Yeah, um, well, as, as you say, I'm Guy, I'm sort of created and operate the uh, footprint page you may be familiar with on instagram and twitter basically it's a one-stop shirt printing service i sort of operate worldwide i get requests from everywhere basically if you want something printed on your shirt i'm the boy to do it love the game as a boy sort of probably was fascinated with both on the pitch the game itself and, and what the the players were wearing from an early age, I probably started to notice the slight differences between you know, the shirt that you would buy in a shop and what the shirt the players were wearing. Certainly with the Umbro shirts from the early 90s, you, I would have noticed embroidered badges and embroidered Umbro logos. And whenever I was a child, shirt prints sort of started to become a thing. Players started wearing names and numbers. And it probably just caught me at an early age and, and never really left me, you know. How did you get into actually printing shirts and um, what kind of experience did you have before you felt confident enough to start your own little business? I can remember in primary school, a guy in my class getting a Cantona 7 printed on the back of his Man United shirt. And we had at the time, I'm from Belfast, in case the accent hasn't told you that yet. <laughs> um, we had an official Man United store in Belfast back in the day um, and they actually done the shirt printing and it was Looking back, it was actually very similar to what the players were wearing, but yeah, I actually thought at the time that it was sort of real stuff. It was a wee bit smaller and just slightly off, but uh, you couldn't have you couldn't have told me any different back then at 12 or 13. So that just sort of opened up, up my eyes to it, probably talking about 2005, 2000, it was probably 2006. I went to the World Cup in Germany. Now, it was just for a game. I got to the Holland-Portugal match, the famous battle in Nuremberg. Manish ran to me whenever he scored at that that just kicking session. But any I was in the, the sort of German sports shops and that, and they all had the shirt printing and they all had everything like that. And you sort of just seen like the Germans do things very well. The the, the shops were just class. You had the the whole range of the, the teams from the World Cup with the names and numbers with your Germany shirts, all that sort of. Uh, so then after after the World Cup. Just, I sort of started getting shirts with names and numbers printed on it. And I found a guy that actually printed shirts. He probably is my original inspiration. Some people may remember Wiggy Sports. Wiggy was a, basically the godfather of printing, I probably would say. He was able to print the, in the original prints, like for England, for Man United, Chelsea, Celtic. He basically got contact who done that for all them teams, for all them Umbro teams, um, for Arsenal as well at the time and he actually operated a very successful business with that so I was sending shirts back and forth to him probably the same way uh, Scott did you send shirts to me uh, <laughs> he had a spur he pressed or he, he bought a new one and it was free and he said here would you have any interest in buying it because I don't need it anymore I'm probably doing myself out of business but you know you're you're very keen sort of thing so he, he sold me that and it sort of went from there between sort of backfilling any of my sort of collection i always sort of collected shirts basically from i started liking football so i kept every shirt i couldn't throw anything out so i went back and sort of filled in sort of blanks in my collection so to your shawl from the 1989 european cup final celtic shirts 
it's all a learning experience sort of thing. Certainly, the first shirt they ever printed, I still have it. I haven't touched it. I haven't tried to amend it or anything because it was, it wasn't perfect. We'll just say, um, you sort of go into <laughs> these things thinking that you you know it looks easy and stuff like that, you know, and then you actually go to do it and it's irreversible and it just isn't quite as easy as as some people made it look. But uh, from there, yes, I, I was probably buying shirts. I, I love everybody loves a cheap shirt. I'm no different, Joe. I love the cheap shirt, and it, it was probably I think. Classic football shirts had the Slavia Prague Umbro shirts from 2008-2009, I think. They're just the blank shirts. So there's no sponsors, there was no name and numbers, there's no sleeve patches on them. I think they sold them quite cheap at the time, maybe something like $11.99. So I managed to make a contact in the Czech Republic who sent me over the, the sponsors, the name and numbers, and it was like a two-layer name and number, the sleeve badges. I printed them up for myself, just totally for me. And I think I sent a tweet to Classic Football Shirts saying, hey, look, look what I done to those beautiful Slavia Prague shirts you sent me. I got an email a couple of months later that just said, you know, how would you like to come and work for us in the print department sort of thing? Well, we don't have a print department at the minute, but we're looking to set one up, grow the business, et cetera, et cetera. And after a few sort of months going back and forward, uh, I took a job at Classic Football Shirts as their print, I think it was technically applications manager. So you... They applying of prints to the shirts. It basically meant that you, you set up the print department for them. So your control, they, they started to print shirts around that same time of their own sort of things, you know, the, like the old Man United ones, because they had all these contacts as well. Yeah. Um, Was that local um, then, or did, did you do that from home? No, I, I, moved, I moved to Manchester. I moved oh, for wow. two years. I, I was working in a bank here at the time, and it wasn't a bad job too but it just was sort of it just sort of was like a dream job sort of presented itself to me as that um, and I'd, being a United fan as well although it probably was maybe one of the worst times to move to Manchester uh, yeah. Mr <laughs> Moyes just taking the job uh, I got to about I got to about maybe 18 or 20 matches that season and just got to see it going downhill just slowly as the season sort of dragged on but yeah no I, I moved over to Manchester I was working Monday to Friday, they're coming home at the weekends, most weekends, or else my fiance at the time was coming over to Manchester at the weekend, just sort of back and forth, trying to sort of do as much as I could over there. That probably opened, like, that, that opened so many doors for me in terms of contacts and even just seeing and, and just experiencing. You actually were printing nine to five, nine to six, every five days a week sort of thing between sourcing stuff and seeing where they could get stuff being able to add some stuff that I could find elsewhere myself to them. Um, again, all official, like my f- sort of first protocol with, with any shirt, be it my own shirt or somebody else's shirt, would be to try and get official print. can be very difficult. To, like, just again, Mike's wearing an Ajax shirt there. Ajax, Ajax is very difficult to get their print out of, really. So that's, that's going back 10, 12 years, Joe. I've been trying to get various Ajax prints stages but it's, it's something that they just like to keep for themselves for the club um, mm. and I think it's, as soon as the season's up they destroy everything they have as well so they can't even get the last year's print cheap from them again it just takes up space you know the new jersey comes out the new print they don't want people in their store probably mixing up the the prints in the shirt of fifth I can, see, I can see the pain in Scott's face right now the idea that's, of somebody just burning name sets and numbers that's so, wild isn't it Thank you. 
so you you said obviously how difficult they are just whilst we're on that what what's the hardest you've ever had to to source whether it be when working for yourself with with the classic football shows what is there any that come to mind as the hardest you've ever had to look for but you did find in the end the portuguese league was always very hard to get despite knowing who the company was and contacting them i think we got a uh, I'm saying wait was classic football shirt at the time got a batch of Porto shirts in and the Porto club shop wasn't actually using the official print they were using basically a copy of it which I, it, it baffled me but again the guys sold it and they, they sent every letter in the visit. you had to build Jackson Martinez name sets up from scratch and you had the three, there's three or four different <laughs> names and you had to cut it up it was a big plastic sheet you had to cut the letters up individually and build it and it was whenever shirts were starting to take off in China and you're maybe printing 50 to 100 photo shirts every two or three days you know and it was just the the, the work that was going into that was just it's too memorable I can still remember it uh, but pro- probably that I probably this season's Ajax is probably the best example because just dealing or trying to get Ajax shirts before because everybody seems to love an Ajax away shirt at the minute do you know where it's that yeah, sort very of popular blue Sky Blue one last season I got a lot of requests for print for it the same whenever the Bob Marley uh, shirt this year you know, everybody's wanting it and I was telling people straight off you know no you'll not get official print for that and, and that was there was one contact that ended up getting stuff in Asia um, so I was able to source a couple of official prints from there for people again that came in expense but some people were we're happy to do it sort of thing. So that was probably a shirt like that, you know, it pains me to see people put fake print on it. You know, I, I, I'd be telling people, you know, I can get you a replica print for it. It's not what I would do, but if that's what you really want, you know, we'll do it sort of thing. But I know I would be, I'd be very, uh, if it's not official, it's not really worth it in my, in my eyes. Like. So is there any jobs that you've physically just turned down? You've been like, no, sorry, I, I refuse to ruin that shirt even though it's essentially turning yourself out of pocket? Probably more, I would turn down quite a lot of repair stuff because uh, people will come with, so, some people come with 30 or 40 shirts, you know, and there's a repair that needs done. And I just physically wouldn't have the time for it. It wouldn't be, a, I wouldn't be happy with the, the sort of quality that I could offer for that. There is a couple of guys in the, the industry, people will know them as well, that are fantastic at removing things and and. Uh, then I can work with that sort of blank canvas that they've created for me. Well, sure, again, like if somebody wants a print, and I, I, I say to them, you know, I can't get official for that, and they're like, well, I really want official. Then you know, we, we sort of have to say, you know, that that's not going to happen, sort of thing. So I've I've no problem saying that to people. I would I would rather tell somebody I can't get you an official print there than get somebody a, a fake print and say nothing about it, sort of thing. So that wouldn't be the way that because you're you're just you're, you're ruining a shirt. You know, a shirt is sacred. Whether you're a United fan, a City fan, down the leagues, you know, that's, 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 that's sort of my, my thinking on it anyway, sort of thing. But again, people, do, people, some people don't care as much as, as I do, obviously, sort of thing. So, and, and they're happy enough as long as they get the name or number on the back, that's, that's what they want, you know. And, when you say pain in the arse is keep contacting you about official print, you, you, you don't have to not mention my name, it's okay. <laughs> 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 no, you're all, I, I would rather, Joe, I would rather, get 100 questions and it be doing something right than you know 10 questions and and, and do something wrong you know i'd rather that's because again it, it is sort of maybe cliche to say you know, that, that that 
short tour special in that lecture that you like every like there's there's people are, are contacting you for things it'll be maybe a Middlesbrough shirt from the mid nineties and it's a Janini one or, or Alvin Alley, do you know, and it really means something to them, do you know if you can do whatever do you know, the best for them on that or do you know, going across the like even Wimbledon shirts or further down the league, do you know, and it's really special at that time that maybe that team was in the Premier League for them, do you know, and if you're able to sort of recreate that wee bit of nostalgia for them, but that's so it does, it does reward you. If you don't want to say, then that's fine. But have you, have you, what, what's the worst you've ever done print wise in the way of we all see these bad prints, these sort of like Big John 69s and Adolf 39 World Tour and all that terrible nonsense? <laughs> have you, have you ever done anything that whilst you were doing it, you just think, I, I wish I wasn't doing this right now? <laughs> a couple of times, a couple, I had, and it ended up just being a friend and he's a big Celtic fan. And he asked for the ten, Celtic 10 in a row in the back of his shirt last season. So it was the first Adidas shirt, start of the season. And I just knew printing that, I'm going, no, this isn't. So the 10 in a row isn't happening now because I printed this. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is your fault. This is your fault. <laughs> if only he contacted me at the end of the season wanting to know if I could take it off. And I was sort of like, no, you're going to have to burn that scar, I think. Uh, thankfully, I haven't seen too many You've seen them all, Julian. You've seen them all on Twitter, ruin shirts and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I'm not a fan of getting your own name on the back of a shirt. Probably one of my biggest regrets, and it's my own shirt. I went to Amsterdam with my family back in I think, 2001, so I was only I was only 17 or 18, and the whole family went there. It's probably the last time my whole family was away. And I went into the Ajax, went on the Ajax tour, me and my, my dad. And he, my, my dad's not into football at all, and I think it was surprising that he'd done the tour with me before, but we went into the club shop after. And he says, you go and pick out a shirt there or whatever, you know. And I said, like, geez, right, okay, yeah, this is great. And he, I says, well, can I get a name and number because of the machine there? I didn't know any of the Axe players at the time. And I got Van Basten 9. I was like, oh, this is class, it's Van Basten sort of thing. But then whenever you've looked back, Zlatan wore number 9 that season. And it would have just, Joe, if you knew what was going to turn out with Zlatan sort of at the time, it would have just been lovely to, to do that. So that, even that's my own sort of probably personal mishap probably one I do have one printing thing for, of my own that I probably could share and again it happened I probably about 12 years ago I had a long sleeve United shirt and I, luckily it wasn't player issue from 07 to 09 this was before I was I was just printing for myself so it was only me that was hurt in this I had a Ronaldo name set set it all out printed it up for this was probably in the first six months of having the heat press proudest punch with it of the player issue sleeve patches posted up on there was a wee Malaysian a message board that was sort of it was the, the go-to place for t- talking about shirts posted up the photo of my Ronaldo shirt wanted everybody to appreciate it then when they looked at it it was like oh, who's run Dalto or something I'd, I'd, I'd mixed an A and an L up and I'd looked at it a hundred times oh Joe you, know, you, you look at it yourself and no oh, that's great like took one person to look at that in the message board and go you spelt that wrong and it's just like oh no so easy it can happen so easy and even now like I still have nightmares about Vieira that them eyes and E's and Patrick Vieira can, <laughs> I can look at it a hundred times and still think I have it wrong so that can happen again you can't fix things up Ronaldo shirt uh, has not been hurt since it, it looks the way it should do now but uh, yeah it, it, it is a wee bit unforgiving to the print because if you do make a mistake it's there for everybody to see and it's not so easy to reverse but again you learn from your mistakes and Thankfully, it doesn't happen too often anymore, or, or you can catch it just before it uh, becomes a permanent, permanent issue. You know, 
Well, ba- based on that, I won't send you my Kaiser Chief shirt to get Shabalala put on the back anytime soon then. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, talking about like the prints and the, the fonts and the typefaces used, are there any in particular that, that, that stick to you as, as sort of like the most iconic or the favourites that, that you've ever seen over the years? That's always a very, very hard question. Um, because I think everything, you know, everything's personal to, to yourself. Do you know, if you've... If you're a, a, a maybe maybe Celtic and Rangers is maybe a good place to start. You know the nineties was probably a great time for for Rangers fans. You know when you've got your Gascoigne's and your Loudrop. Again, I can sort of supply the prints for that and to counter that. Then you've Celtic with Larson and these boys and the, the sort of white squares in the back of the shirt. So that was a great time for it, and they were actually lovely old school felt prints that feel nice. They look nice, and you know you've got some superstars there that you know maybe in Scotland they don't have so much anymore growing up in the as a United fan like I, I am a United fan in case I haven't mentioned earlier um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I was That's why you're on the pod mate <laughs> yeah. like in 1991 92 is probably when I started sort of really catching catching football catching my attention sort of thing so you'd the birth of the Premier League so the, the introduction squad numbers uh, with like, a, I'm a big fan of squad numbers. You know, a, a number has to look right for a player, and some numbers don't look right. Like at the minute, Lindelof and Bay were in two and three for United's just wrong. But that's a completely different story. Um, so, you know, like you, you started like 14 Kinchalskis growing up. So that was that was my first probably probably hero. Um, between Schmeichel and Kinchalskis, like so, you know, just having that big name on the back of the shirt that looked the same as the players wore. Sadly, you couldn't get long sleeve shirts through retail at the time because I would have just lived in a long sleeve Kinshaskis red Man United home shirt. The, the shelf life on them is, is, is only a couple of years now in terms of design. So, for example, United have used their current sort of typeface for a couple of years. I think they'll use it next year. They'll probably change it the year after that. The Serie A at the minute is probably my favourite prints to print. Now, it, it is the same typeface for, for everybody. Syria, but each shirt will have or each print will have sort of a custom thing with it, like the, the club badge that used to be at the bottom. And then there's a lovely they've started sort of producing watermarks and glossy effects in shirt printing now. Certainly in Italy and the United shirts at the minute they have the cup font has a sort of glossy glossy key line. Uh, so nice wee touches like that, which I think they're very good in, in sort of two ways. One, they stand out the looks they look very good you know modern for counterfeiting purposes you know yeah. people can't really fake that as well so in the future people are going to check these things what prints real what prints not and stuff like that i think it's a big help like that but the italian ones have a lovely lovely sort of watermark and watermark i printed some milan ones just this week and there's like a lovely sort of textured stripe effect in the shirt in the the shirt number on that too so they're probably at the minute but it, it, it It'll change. We'll get into the new season. It'll be something that'll catch my eye as well, sort of thing, you know. So speaking about research, you're saying there, you know, looking at for people checking about what's real and what's not, and it's a minefield, isn't it? Especially when you start getting involved in sleeve patches. So how, yeah, how difficult is it to keep on top of? And obviously, you know, if you have somebody that doesn't know anything about shirts and they're heavily relying on your expertise, you know, where. How do you kind of do your research or keep up with the current or not even current, you know, the retro patches that people ask for? Yeah, it's getting tough and it's not getting tough. It's getting harder to source things that are real. So again, that, that uh, like in terms of sleeve patches, if you're looking at something from the 90s, there's very few of them left because 
a lot of it used up as soon as COVID struck and people were stuck in the houses and the shirts might like certainly in terms of how busy I was with footprint, it just exploded with with the sort of first lockdown and people having a bit extra money. So I think a lot of the old stocks of stuff that was genuine has basically been been gobbled up in over the last sort of two, three years with that. So that in terms of nineties, that's quite difficult. But with sort of with working the classic football shirts, you sort of get to know people, you get to know a network of, of people around the world. I have contacts in some of the federations in Europe there that you can sort of buy some of the patches that aren't really commercially available. So I know from the various people that that you know, these are legit and, and I have no problem uh, in applying those to any sort of shirts, any sort of modern shirts or that. I probably have built up through various people right back to probably about World Cup 2006 to today. I probably have patches for every tournament and every qualifying thing. But again, with anything, like a lot of people will be looking at 90s stuff, 2000s and, and, and later. Uh, the older you go, the harder it is to, to sort of get genuine patches now there is some sort of quite good replicas but with people anybody looking at that i i would be very clear to say this is a replica patch it's not and that's why it's priced probably the way to reflect that i will always throw in a wee uh sort of hook that you know i can get a real patch here but you know you could be talking 50 to 100 pounds for it and you know for most people that's yeah that's crazy replica again that's just the way patches went because a lot of them tournaments so they were just for the players. Some people won't even spend that money on a shirt, far less a patch. <laughs> no, no. Just, just, some, some people, whenever they, they tell you, so you, you quote them for the print, they're like, no, no, that's that's more than a pay for the shirt. So I'm not, I'm not doing it sort of thing. So I think you, you, you're talking to the right person with Scott because I think if there's anybody I know that would pay whatever it costs for a patch, it's, it's Scott. Are you two up for a little quiz? Yeah. Because I've just realised yeah. you're both United fans. I thought, just to, to finish it off with a bit of fun, I thought, I've just, this is a bit off the cuff, but we love a quiz on this podcast. So, <laughs> obviously, Gary, you're all about squad numbers. You're both Man United fans. So, between the two of you, I'm going to tell you the number from the Manchester United 98-99 squad. Obviously, yeah. big big squad. We'll go through the numbers and let's see how many of them you can get. Together or are we... Yeah, go, 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 go together. We'll call it a joint effort. That way, if you don't get it, hopefully Scott will. But I'll throw to you first then, Gary. So we'll, we'll, we'll test you first and foremost <laughs> with, with Scott as a batter, backup. So right then. Number yeah. one. Peter Schmeichel. Correct. Number two. Guy Neville. Correct. Number three. Erwin. Correct. Scott, I don't think you're going to be needed, mate. So, I know. <laughs> number four. David May. Yep, number five. Ronnie Johnson. Okay, this this is going really good. Yeah. Number, <laughs> number six. Yap Stam. Number seven. Uh, I only know this because Scott uh, Beckham. <laughs> number eight. <laughs> Nicky Bob. Number nine. Andrew Cole. Number ten. Uh, Terry Shannon, number eleven, Giggs, number twelve, Phil Neville. Yep, 
This one's got to be a, a challenge, surely. This one, I will tell you that there's there's two squad numbers for this player. He's got a league and a Champions League number, and those yeah. were thir- 13 for the league, 29 for Champions League. I know who the 29 was before. This is this is the first one that's stumping me. It's what's his face I, with the, um, the cuddly hair, isn't it? I was going to say Ben Thornley. It's not Ben Thornley, but I've never heard of him either. So, <laughs> uh, Jonathan Greenwood, is it? No, it's not. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this one and we'll move on. We'll call that one life lost. Apparently it was John Curtis. I was going to say John Curtis. Oh. Too, yeah. <laughs> right, so then we're on to number 14. Number 14, Jordi Cruyff. But Jordi Cruyff was on loan to Alaves at the time, so he probably it's was sti- there. It's still listed as number 14 because he did make an appearance in that season. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, number 15? Blankfist. Yeah, old Jesper. 16. (laughs) Keane. 17. Raymond van der Heij. 18. Scholes. 19. Dwight York. 20. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, of course. 21. Hanningberg 22 22 I'm going to go Terry Cook no over to Scott for that no this is where this is where it starts to get really dicey I'm I'm going to be annoyed now I don't get Jonathan Greenwood's (laughs) number Um, I'm going to give you I'll give you a clue he's the third Norwegian in a row after Solskjaer and Berg Neveland yeah Eric Neveland Right, I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you. Some of these following ones, I. How I far are we going? Well, th- this is what I was going to. I was just going to say to you. I'm. <laughs> I'm going to skip a few of them, and I'm. I'm going to give you ones that I think you might have known. So, number thirty-four. Oh, is that Jonathan Green? That's Jonathan Green. <laughs> Jonathan Green. <laughs> yeah. Right, and then what I'll do? I- I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just tell you the rest where because we, we could be here all day. So from Neverland we had 22, obviously. So 23, if you don't know, was Michael Clegg. Yeah. Oh yeah. Midfielder. Uh I think number 24 slash 30, you might know. Where's Brian? Yeah. yeah. Big Wes. Number number 26, I've heard of him, but I'll throw it over to you anyway. Ooh. To be honest with you. Everyone left apart from Jonathan Greening that I've already given you made zero appearances in the league or Champions <laughs> oh, <wow>. League. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely struggle then. <laughs> yeah, so basically 26 Phil- was... Cre- oh. oh, no, no, it, it, I was going to say Phil Mulrain, but it wasn't Phil Mulrain. Uh No, he was the next one. He was 28. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew so, 28. Yeah, we got Chris Casper was 26. Alex Notman was 29. Ronnie Woolwork at 30, Nick Culkin 31, Mark Wilson 33, and Danny Higginbotham at 38. But oh, that's say... the, yeah, I was going to say, I remember Danny was in the squad, but. <laughs> yeah, all, all credit to you on that one, Gary. I think you got a lot more of those than anybody listening was that. Yeah, you did really well, Gary. I've printed most of them to be fair. That's, and somebody's ordered a 22 cook off me before. That's why I was going 22 cook. So that must have been a year after. Yeah, it must have been the next year, maybe. Yeah, nice. That was a very poignant quiz as well, Mike. I like it. So thanks for that, Gary. That was a really insightful view into the world of shirt printing, along with the uh, pleasures and pressures. Um, for those listeners, if you haven't already 
um, dealt with Gary. I can personally recommend him as he's, he's got to be close to have done a hundred shirts for me and it's a great service. And if you just drop him a DM, he's on Instagram. You'll find him at footprint. That's F U T print. And his Twitter handle is at F T print three. Um, his DMs are always open. So just shoot him a message with any requests and he'll, uh, be more than happy to help you. So thanks for coming, Gary. Oh, thanks for having us, lads. I really enjoyed that one, guys. It was it was really good to hear Gary and he's he's mad knowledge on on squad numbers. And I've used him a couple of times before. So yeah, it's good to know that we're in safe hands when we we send those shirts off to him. Yeah, difference between an expert and somebody who's taken out recently really shone through that quiz. Yeah, Mike. It was good. And that, that that quiz was a little bit off the cuff. He had no idea that was coming. He had no time to do any homework. That was genuinely just the, the, at the brain of a, a, a print wizard who knows exactly what he's doing. Just a, a little aside, out of interest, what's the most random squad number you have in your collection? Number or just name set in general? Just number. Like, do you have a mad, anyone, anyone have a mad number? I've got a 72. Who's that? Kevin Kevin Prince Boating for AC Milan. <laughs> That's a bit of a random one. Yeah, I can't beat that. Can't beat that. <laughs> got 99 D Van Atalanta, but a few players have worn 99. I'm not sure if that's that random anymore. Did, yeah, did, didn't someone send a Donnarumma shirt the other day? 99. Yeah, he's he wore it at AC. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I can't think off the top of my head if I've got any random numbers. I'm more of a a random player sort of person, but. Um, yeah, I think my numbers are all probably below 30, maybe. Don't know. Can't think. I've got a 37 with for Julian Green at Bayern. I'd say that's pretty random. 37. Yeah. Yeah, 37. It, it's, even, it's even more random when you find out, I think he made like one appearance for the senior <laughs> team. <laughs> and after a great interview as well, Gary has kindly um agreed to be involved in a giveaway. So Gary is going to give away a free print set and print a shirt for the lucky winner. Um so if you look out for the information in the socials, we'll get the we'll get the winner. We'll be able to post their shirt to Gary and he will print any name and number that you would like on your shirt and uh, post it back to you all free of charge. What a giveaway that is. What a giveaway. Uh, Scott, not all printing is as successful as when Gary does it though, is it? <clears throat> yeah, I did have an incident this week. Two things have come out of this is you have to be very careful with um, print jobs. Gary spoke about a couple of couple of mishaps that he's had. But the main thing that came out of it is, you know, fake shirts cause lots of problems, whether it's economical or people getting ripped off. But I've found out this week, unfortunately, that also because their color quality is fucking terrible, if you print a fake shirt, then the color will bleed onto the protective sheet that print uh, printers will use, obviously, to protect the shirt from the heat. So some Liverpool it had to be a Liverpool fan, didn't it? So some Liverpool fan brought in a fake shirt from last year to get printed. Printed the shirt with the. Uh, owner of the shop not realizing that it was a fake shirt because why would he check if it was a fake shirt if he was just printing it they then decided to put he unfortunately for me my psg fourth shirt which is white went on the print machine next and i now have a lovely fucking red box around the name set on the back of my 
PSG for sure. Scott, don't you live on a small island? Yes, I do, yeah. How many fucking people could it be? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I was I was tempted to go along and would be like, listen, chat, just, you owe me 140 quid. <laughs> yeah, just just go door to door, mate. It'll take you about 20 minutes and you'll know who it was when they answer the door in that fake Liverpool shirt yeah. it's just been printed. Easy shirt to replace, Scott. Not. It was my champions for shirt. So they are they sold out in twelve hours. The wife's on it though, she's gonna try and work her magic, but we'll see. But that we can now add another reason to why you shouldn't buy fucking fake shirts. And if you do buy fake shirts, do us all a favor and don't take them to get printed because you'll just fuck somebody else's day up after you've had your shirt printed. Wise price, Scott. And as the other three of us know, if anybody can work magic, your wife can. Should <laughs> She listens as well, doesn't she? No, thankfully. Good. Good. I actually, I, I met a friend the other day who listens to the podcast, and he said to me, I don't like it when you're horrible to that Scottish lad. He doesn't deserve it. It's like, you don't know him. <laughs> now on to this week's Kit Room 101. I give up. An absolute disgrace. I am flabbergasted. Analyzer to the coach, come on. Shocking. I am. I am disgusted with it. Hello, guys. My name's Ross. My twist handle is Shirt Happens, and my nomination for Football Shirt Room 101 is non standard sizing between different manufacturers. I'm a large in Adidas, extra large in Nike, double XL in Kappa, and triple XL in Macron. In fact, Macron sizing, my height is a medium, my chest is a triple XL, and my waist is an XL. Come on, guys. A large should be a large shirt only, whoever makes it. Let's end this need to keep asking each other, do I need to size up? Do I size up twice? Do I size down? I once read somewhere that someone said that their shirt was true to size. Everything should be true to size. That's why you have sizes, right? Anyway, I'm interested to know what you guys think. Thanks and all the best. Quick one for me. Totally agree. Absolute pain in the arse. I'm not saying I disagree, but I do have a little bit of a thing with this because not all shirts are made to be the same size. And I know that sounds weird to say that, but different shirts fit differently so are we are we saying that every shirt should fit exactly the same because i quite like that some manufacturer shirts fit differently to others it sounds bizarre to say that but some days i want a shirt that's a little bit baggy if it's some days if i'm if i'm going for a run i like one that's a little bit tighter and a little bit fitted so for me and people are usually blown away by this but as a general rule i buy small in everything and i just take the way it fits as the way it fits um and i know i know that some people might say yeah but i don't go for running my shirts and i go what but i think it's a difficult one isn't it because for me it's more that shirts fit differently rather than sizing is is that varied because when i hear people saying you're going two size up sorry sorry to offend everybody but that's absolute horse shit i don't believe it for one second I agree with what you're saying, but for me, it's more. So, for example, now they've started releasing the shirts and it will say slim fitting. So, you know, if you want it baggier, you can go one up. But I think more or or at least how I interpreted Ross's message is that they should all be if you want a slim fit one, they should all be all the slim fits should be the same size. So, you're as you said, you know, a Macron slim fit, you might be a double XL, but a Nike slim fit, you're a large. Because I do think, and it's furthermore, I suppose us um, fluffier gentlemen than your slender <laughs> physique, Mike. <laughs> I, I guess for, for, for Ross's point, it, it, 
I would accept that if I buy uh, one Adidas small and then I buy an Adidas small the year after, I know that there can be some very minor differences on the way they fit sometimes. If he's saying that that should always be the same, I can accept that. I think that when you start crossing over different manufacturers, they make a Kappa is never going to fit in the same way as an Adidas does. I know some people size up on it for that. Personally, I don't. If I buy a Kappa, I know it's going to be tight on me. I I don't just wear it out in the street. I might put it on, as I say, to go for a run or to play in or wear in more comfortable circumstances. But I, I, I get where they're coming from. I think I would find myself agreeing with Russ, actually. I think there does need to be a bit more standardisation just to help if it is the first time you've bought with a certain manufacturer, because none of us like to have to go through the returns process and all that rubbish. So, yeah, I probably would agree with him. I take your point as well, though, Mike, but it would be nice just to have a bit more standard fit across the board. The thing is about Macron is they're one of those brands that actually releases a shirt at player spec and player sizing. So with all due respect to most of us who are not professional athletes, we probably don't have the same body type um, as some of these professional footballers, um, certainly nowadays. So, uh, yeah, I wear, like, um, I do double size up the Macron. I'm, I'm a double XL Macron. I'm a large in Nike and Adidas. I'm, uh, yeah, so <laughs> the pain's real, but um, I can understand why, especially when some of these brands, it is, you're getting the player specs either. So that's just how it is. If you're, if you've got a 42 inch chest and you're a professional footballer, you're a double XL, mate. You know, most of them have got a 36 inch chest. I, when you said that, I suppose what what I suppose I, I'm getting at then, I, to be fair, is is the 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 I think is what you're saying. You can't standardize sizes. Like for example, you you've just proved me wrong. Foot in my mouth. You go two sizes up. I thought that was a myth. I've ne- I've never met anyone who actually goes two sizes up. I thought that was just something people say on Twitter. <laughs> so. I think that's the thing. The I reason have to do the same on condoms as well on certain brands, Mike. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but I think that's it, isn't it? For me, if if all sizes were standardised, that means for me personally, if I bought a small in Macron, it would be really baggy on me, and I, w- I probably wouldn't like the Macron fit as much. And I think that that's probably where it comes into play, isn't it? Is the truth is, I think. All jokes aside, it does. It comes down to body shapes, body sizes. And I will accept that, although I'm pushing 40 now, when things start to fill out a little bit, I'm still a very slight frame. And yeah, buying a small is not a problem for me. So I guess maybe I'm probably not the best person to to put my opinion forward on this one. So where are we on this sizing issue I, I don't even know what i don't even know what the question was i don't know what we're voting on are we voting on non-standard sizing should go in room 101 and everybody should, what are we voting on everybody should do the same size metric yeah they should yeah. Be more, <laughs> uniform, yeah they should be they should be more similar so where do we stand on this should non-uniform sizing across brands go into shirt room 101 tom yeah absolutely mike I was going to say no, but because it's not all about me and I'm not a selfish prick, I'm going to say, yeah, it can go in. I, I, I'm going to say no. I, I like the fact that you get player spec shirts that are different sizes in certain brands. So I'm going to say no. Uh, Scott? Yep, I'm going to go with the majority here and put it into room 101. And I'm also pretty sure that we'll have a fellow listener, Cornish, agreeing with us because we all know he can't fit any New Balance sizes. 
that concludes this week's Kit Room 101. I just want to give a quick thank you to everybody that retweets our socials, likes our, our posts. You know, we all put a bit of time in it to, to try and create some good original content. Thank you to everybody also that has given us a review on Spotify in particular, because that's where we seem to get most of our traffic. Because I did notice this week we went over 75 reviews, which for a little podcast like us is pretty good, I think. So, um, so yeah, thank you to everybody, because every like, every retweet, every every interaction helps us get our podcast listened to and our little football shirt corner of Twitter gets the spotlight on us a little bit more. So thank you. And uh, we've still not heard from old one star. Um, it would be good to get some detailed feedback from them so we can change absolutely fucking nothing. They think it's all over. It is now. See you next week, guys. <laughs>